Welcome to the Boom Clap Podcast. Today, I'm really excited because we have a guest, which as you guys know, Rita and I don't often have guests because there's two of us. So it's like having a guest every week. We, we talk, we chat, and we just we have a lot of fun, but it's more fun to bring people on every now and then. And today we've brought on Amber. Do you go by Amber? Amber L? I do. <laughs> Amber. Okay. Today we've brought on Amber and she's someone that we've been following for a long time on Instagram. And we just love the content that she puts out. We love her personality. We love the way she showcases her values. So we thought she was a perfect fit for you guys to get to know a little bit. So Amber is a homeschool mom of three children and she works with Fieldcraft. Um, Her title, which I love, and it's so clear that this is what she's meant to do. Just if you have followed her on Instagram for a little while, her title title is the director of family preparedness and women's development. So as you hear from her today and get to know her a little bit, you will see why those words fit her so well. And this is something Rita and I touched on a little bit in our last episode. It wasn't even the point of the episode, but we just kind of talked a little bit about self-sufficiency and what that can look like. And Amber just brings that to a whole other level. So I highly recommend you guys find her on Instagram. If you look up Miss Amber L, you will find her. So yeah, thanks for being here. Yes, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, so can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, what do you see your platform as? Your kind of the goals of your platform, your vision, your purpose. Can you describe a little bit of that for us? Yeah, sure. So I... I am, like you said, a homeschool mom of three, and um, I was just raised with a preparedness mentality. Um, I think I've taken that to a new level, which has been really fun because um, it was something that came naturally to my parents, the way they raised us, just being self-sufficient in the way we did things, not depending on other people, not depending on the government, um, and just being safe and being aware and, 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 and farm life and rural life just lends that naturally to mm-hmm. that sort of lifestyle. Um, also, firearms were something that were always part of our lives. We grew up hunting, so we always had a respect for firearms and a respect for life in general. And um, I think that's, you know, a misconception among people who probably didn't grow up hunting. That mm-hmm. that comes hand in hand, that just clear respect for the sanctity of all life, you know, of animals, of nature. And so everything just was cohesive and very natural. Um, And so as I became a mom, I stepped into that a little more with my children, just always wanting to be self-sufficient, always wanting to be prepared for contingencies. And once 2020 hit, um, I saw everyone, not everyone. Okay. That is, that's, um, that includes people people in an unfair way but for the most (laughs) part people were living with such a fear-based mentality everything Mm -hmm. they did they were operating out of fear and it was hard for me to see um just because people I knew and loved were struggling and even getting on social media where I had a very small presence I had had a fall a small following by by small I mean like a couple thousand a few thousand Um, for quite a few years because I had done education on essential oils and natural health alternatives. I am, I have a bachelor's degree in nursing, so I am an RN, um, by, by education, but that's not what I do. That's not my job. And that's not where my passion lies. 
the uh, the holistic view of the human is where my passion lies and so I have stepped more into motherhood and educating people locally on on how to be healthier. I live in South Louisiana and the culture and the lifestyle here is a very unhealthy one. Although it's it's a lovely one, a one of community and um and rural life, it is also very unhealthy. And so I was I was doing that and um and so I already knew that I had a passion and a gift when it came to teaching people and helping to digest information into a way that people could understand it, relaying that information. Um, I'm super nerdy. I love reading studies. And so I would take <laughs> studies and medical journals and, and take the information and make it more relatable. And so I was already doing that. And I just saw the need for people who felt, who had felt like the world was ending and there was nothing they could do. You know, the supply chains had gotten cut short and, and for me, it wasn't some stark contrast to life. It was like, everything's going to be okay because I know how to do this and I have a supply of this, or if not, I know how to access this. I already have a community in place where we can trade off for these things. Um, and so I, I really felt like that was where I was led to step into that, um, that very niche market and try to encourage and inspire people to not operate out of fear. And there was, there was such a demand for it. And people were so excited to hear these things and to be inspired by them and for it to not come in a fear-based way. That's always been something that's important to me. You know, my parents never educated me on preparedness in a fear-based manner. And so making sure that I was, was reinforcing that as I was teaching these concepts was hugely important to me. And so people loved it. And, you know, I eventually connected with Fieldcraft and it was something they were looking for at the time. It was like a right place, right time kind of moment. And so we collaborated and, and it really blew up from there. It's amazing. I so relate to everything you just said. Like we, we have very different platforms, Amber. I'm also a nurse. Um, and had a small following talking about health and the holistic human and things because I saw the shortcomings in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And similarly, people flocked to hearing somebody talk about controlling the controllables and not just completely freaking out, you know, when everybody's freaking out, like being able to control the controllables. So very interesting how we do such different things, but it's, People want that stability and crave being able to bring that into their lives. So I appreciate that you do this for people and in the way you do. So um, our podcast is very much founded on um, values and rooting everything we talk about back to values. And this is something I see in you and how you lead your family just through your Instagram and following you there. And the things you incorporate into your life, how you raise and teach your children seems very focused. Um, as an outsider looking in, it just appears that you're very intentional. And I feel that's admirable, especially in a culture that seems to be anything but that right now. Like culture just doesn't seem to be really intentional. <laughs> Everything's mm-hmm. kind of just like blowing whichever way the wind blows. But I think most of the women and even men who listen to this podcast would look at how you live and want to emulate and mimic that intentionality that you showcase. So especially from the standpoint of preparedness and um, 
they themselves teaching their children something that they may not have been raised with because I think that a lot of what you teach comes natural for somebody who grew up in the country on the farm maybe or a little bit more natural anyways um but people who didn't grow up that way like a lot of that has been lost and so I think a lot of parents are now trying to learn simultaneously while teaching their children and it's intimidating to be a learner and a teacher at the same time so just to start, can you talk about um, the intentionality you lead with and then insight into why not only should we be learning these things as far as preparedness and a situational awareness for ourselves, but also teaching our children these things? Yeah, I think that I think that's a good point. And I like that you say it can be intimidating because I do see that coming across from a lot of people. But at the same time, what a lovely gift to get to do that because I think you can both say as learners and you as somebody who was operated as a nurse, we learn best whenever we learn one and then we teach one, right? And that's how we instill a concept mm -hmm. in our mind is, the sun is glaring behind me, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, we, we learn the concept, but then we have to we have to create a vision for this concept to somebody else in a way that they can understand and they can grasp. And sometimes that's reading personalities. Sometimes that's bending and flexing to what the room feels like at the moment, you know? And I think that that's a beautiful gift because it, and for me, that's part of the intention is this isn't just a concept that I'm relaying. This is a relationship I'm forging, whether it's somebody I'm speaking to one time or on Instagram, or it's, it's my children sitting at the dining room table. This is more than just information. This is me caring about them as a human being, you know, whether I speak to them again or not, it's seeing that there is value that they need in their life. There's clarification they need in their life for, uh, for their family, for themselves, to eliminate fear, to empower them, to move them into the next stage of something. It's not just answering a question. So it's it's like intention with everything, right? It's seeing somebody as a bigger version of just who that person is in that moment with that one question. And I think that that's also where that holistic view comes into play too, is it, even in medicine and even in, in natural um, therapies and modalities, it's seeing the whole person. And so it's the same thing with with me trying to teach people preparedness and situational awareness is having them understand this is you seeing someone else as a human being. And in turn, you'll see the world with greater clarity and that in and of itself increases your situational awareness. And I know it sounds really crazy and woo woo, but it, it's just being really focused and intentional with everything, you know, and as mm -hmm. I went from being just a homeschool mom, right. To, and doing a little bit of, of education on the side with my essential oils and natural therapies to, being, I mean, pretty much a full-time employee of a company or working with a company um, and doing full-time work and traveling every other weekend to different parts of the country. And so every time I wondered, how is this going to affect the woman who sits down at the dining room table with her children mm -hmm. to teach them sentence structures and the alphabet? How, how is that going to change and shift, you know? And it doesn't. It doesn't, you know, I was gone. I was in North Carolina this weekend, flew back home yesterday, got home in the evening, woke up this morning and, and was right back at it at the, at the table with my children and the, my phones aside, um, 
I'm, I'm listening, I'm focusing, I'm putting myself right back into that space where I'm assessing their needs, I'm watching their responses, I'm watching what is their body doing when I'm teaching something, you know, are they tense, are they relaxed, how are they responding to something, I'm very much in the moment, and we can still have the relationship that we did, and we still have the level of... Um, of, of beautiful learning together that once existed, even though mom's busy and is working a full-time job and spends her afternoons in her office, that can still exist with us in the morning because I'm intentional about it and because I'm focusing on them as human beings and as the person that they are and, and, and allowing that to sit at the table with us. Um, and, and also not having to have concerns about the million things swirling around in my head uh, and, and being anxious, obviously, there's, you know, there's still adulting and, and all the things that come with it, but being prepared, knowing that I have what we need to get through the week, knowing that I've planned for the meals we're going to eat, um, knowing that I know what to do if a medical emergency were to happen. I don't think people understand the weight that the worry of not having those skills just, just has subconsciously on them day after day the worry of what's the world going to look like tomorrow am i prepared for the world tomorrow can i handle the world tomorrow can my children handle the world tomorrow the answer to all of those things is yes if you're willing to take the time to prepare yourself in that manner and so you you allow yourself the space by ridding yourself of those worries and anxieties educating yourself empowering yourself you allow yourself the space to be the version of yourself that you want to be and to be intentional with other people and to be unashamed to be a learner next to your children. You've, cr you've given yourself the bandwidth to do that simply by being prepared. It really is that simple. And I know it sounds like, okay. <laughs> no, it, it sounds amazing. And like what I was kind of thinking about as you were describing that is you know, people do worry about tomorrow, right? Like it's a very natural thing to worry about these unknowns. But something that Rita and I speak about a lot is that there are these unchangeables in life that, you know, there are always these cornerstones and these anchors and the things that we know for sure don't change. And a lot of that can be biological processes within the body or just your environment and different things. Like there's these unchangeables and that's what you're advocating people prepare for and educate themselves about are, is those unchangeable so that even if the world does change, the things that we know don't change, we're prepared for that so that we can kind of handle all the extra things that we don't necessarily see coming, you know, like there's always this base of these unchangeable things that we can prepare ourselves for. And I think that's, that's a really cool and you do such yeah. a good job of that. Yeah. And I think, I think somebody standing up, standing in the fullness of themselves and saying, I'm capable, mm -hmm. regardless of what education I have or background I have, I'm capable of yeah. managing an emergency. I'm capable of navigating to a higher level of medical care if something terrible were to happen. I'm capable of teaching my children to be safe in public. As long as you can stand emboldened in that truth, I'm capable, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. that that's an unchangeable yeah and, and that what, yeah that changes everything mm -hmm. yeah like I just think like what a measure of confidence and peace that gives mm -hmm. to be confident in the fact that you are capable and that really lends itself to something we wanted to talk to you about which is self-defense for women because as women 
I think we tend to live in a little bit more fear than men. Like I will think of myself, for example, I love to go walking down by the river, but I get really nervous if I see a couple trucks with guys that are fishing or, you know, just hanging out. It makes me really nervous in a way that if my husband was going for a walk, you know, he wouldn't be affected by that at all. Absolutely. Um, same thing, a friend of mine, also a guy that I work with, he had talked about how he was in the city and was napping in his car. I would not nap in my car. Like just as a woman, there's, there's different things that we think about that men, unfortunately, can take for granted that they have a, a little bit, a measure of safety that we don't necessarily have. But again, you, you don't teach us to have fear about that. You, you teach us that we can be capable to, to handle what comes our way. So we live in this increasingly what feels unstable world and many women really just aren't prepared to defend themselves and their families. So I would love for you to kind of talk to us about, first of all, where to start and why that's so important. Oh my gosh. Yes. I, so I love this topic. That's, this is, this is actually like the bread and butter of the course I teach, uh, is our, we call, we called it practical application to women's self-defense when we created it. Um, but now it's moving into personal security because mm -hmm. it encompasses um, a lot more of what we teach. Um, and people are often surprised when they come to the course because we start with an hour block of me speaking about the psychology of fear, what it manifests like in the body, what a woman's mind does differently than a man's mind mm -hmm. and how it's not a weakness but a strength. And people sit there the entire time and I know they're thinking like, okay, I thought I was going to do cool stuff. And now I'm <laughs> sitting here talking about, talking about my F3 response. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then when we get them into scenarios where we do some fear inoculation and we have them respond, um, they realize why, you know, why, why I taught that because suddenly they're feeling these feelings that they may never have felt at this level of intensity before. Um, and they understand now that they're not wrong and it doesn't make them weak and that they're capable. They weren't capable of choosing their immediate response to it because it's, it's a primitive response, but they are capable of choosing what they do next. And so that in and of itself is empowering. And it, they always, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, are like, I'm so glad you started with a neuro block. And I'm like, I know, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that's, I think what makes our course different and sets it apart is this isn't a tactical thing. This is a real life. This is what fear looks like for you. And this is what we're going to do about it. And no one is wrong. Mm -hmm. None of your feelings are wrong. You're not weak. You're not a fool. Um, and so women, yes, it's sad to say, but women do have more to worry about than men. And and I could get I could get all of the best training in the world, but I'm a hundred pounds. I have three children, so I have little people that I'm also dealing with. It, it's not always just one hundred percent me in the fight, right? There's still part of me defending these littles behind me, and I, a two hundred and fifty pound man who really wanted to hurt me. What like jujitsu can only do so much for me in that in that regard, right? And so, self defense and 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 I am in America, and so carrying a firearm is part of my constitutional rights. And so for me, that levels out the playing field, mm -hmm. you know. 
I mean, once again, the sanctity of human life is at the very core of my values. And so I don't ever want to use my firearm. And so I teach women about situational awareness and reading their intuition and listening to the signals of your intuition because your brain sees things that your eyes don't see. And so you have to listen to your gut instincts because if I am pulling up to a gas station, regardless of whether I have 11 bullets in that gun next to me or not, I'm going to do everything I can to avoid a confrontation. So my eyes are paying attention to what's happening around me. They're taking in all of the signals. If there's something going on that I feel like is not, is not lending to my safety, I'm finding another gas station. I'm not willfully going to a place where I feel like my life is threatened. I don't want to hurt anyone, but I don't want to be hurt either. And so that's a huge component is avoiding threats and avoiding violence. Like, I 100% advocate for that. And you may be in a country where you don't have the option to carry a firearm. So what does self-defense look like for you? Well, it starts with situational awareness. And it starts with paying attention to what's happening around you so that you can avoid threats. And so that you can start learning the signs and signals that your intuition is telling you versus worry, right? A worry is a manufactured fear. It's not a true fear. True fear is energizing it's not paralyzing and it's there to save us the host and so when we start to pay attention to how we're responding to situations we start to evaluate why did I feel that way why did I feel like something was maybe not lending to my personal safety in that scenario Mm -hmm. and you start to, to play back and reassess oh you know well I had picked up on that my mind already knew it was it was later in the day, you know, so maybe visibility was a little skewed. And maybe I saw somebody lingering that was wearing clothing that wasn't really seasonal, you know, they had on heavier layers when it was summer. And maybe that's not something I picked up on in the moment. But my brain saw that and my brain analyzed, there were multiple factors here that felt unsafe. And so I moved to I moved out of that that area to avoid the situation. And so not just get going through our day busy and and uh, avoiding these signals that are, are are there innately there to protect us and and warn us about about danger and threats um, and p- start learning our our response to things. Um, learning your fear response whether you freeze or you flee or you fight. You know, what does your yeah. your response look like? How does that manifest itself in your body? What are the physiological responses you're seeing in your body? Taking the time to pay attention to those and building yourself a foundation of safety and security is 100% the best thing you can do for your self-defense. Like before you'd even consider taking a martial arts course or a firearm course, you have to get that right. Your mind has to be ready to process all of this, you know, because, because what if you can't control your mental response? You can't process do you think you're you're safe enough to to draw a firearm out of your bag and shoot at an, at a, somebody trying to assault you in a crowd full of people or are you just going to be you know crazy and not in control of your response and not mentally capable of being very intentional and safe in that moment even though you are having to go to extreme measures to protect your life you know that there is a responsibility that comes with carrying a firearm too and that's being competent enough to to be safe and to be secure and that's that starts with knowing your own mind and so uh, that's huge 
For sure. Like hearing you describe situational awareness and also honestly, even following you over the past few months, like I always had considered myself a somewhat aware person, but never considered it in its full. Like I've seen some of the videos you've done, like you recently did one, like just a few days ago, I think actually where you were simulating, put a baby, putting a baby into a car seat. And then Mm -hmm. this man came behind you and grabbed you. And I just think of so many busy, busy, busy moms who have two, three, four, five kids that they're trying to wrangle into the vehicle. And maybe it's pouring down rain in this busy grocery store parking lot during the Christmas season. And it's an absolute nightmare of a moment. And Mm -hmm. all of your attention is just focused on getting your kids in the vehicle so you can get the heck out of there and get home. But being busy and being distracted by these really important things, our kids can really lend itself to danger if we're not still being situationally aware. And so that's what I've really, really appreciated is just how clearly in your videos and in your posts, you literally just take us through things systematically of things that I never would have thought to check or to be Mm -hmm. aware of. So appreciate that and where you when you say that kind of that mindset is the the first place to start i i totally agree because i didn't even realize that i needed to start there until i started following mm-hmm. you so i really appreciate that yeah and and kids are great because when you teach them young and empower them, it's not fear-based mentality right. and so instead of two eyes walking through a parking lot i always have eight because even my four-year-old has her eyes out and there's been so many times that you know, my nine-year-old will grab my seven-year-old and she's like, bud, the lights were on on that car. You know, they're paying attention. And so as they, as they get older, it's not just you. It's not just you having to be, I mean, obviously we're the primary protectors of our Mm -hmm. children, but, um, but having helpers is huge and and, and feeling like you have a team, um, and they're not a liability. They're an asset because they know what to do if danger strikes it it changes the game and they're not walking around as fearful children in an ever changing world where they could be, they could be because they could be watching the news and listening to their friends. Mm -hmm. And thankfully we get to protect them when we homeschool them from some of the things they hear, but not everything. They still, they're wise, they know. And so rather than feeling fearful, they always feel like they have tools in their toolbox. And, and that's such a misconception among people is thinking that this will instill fear in their children and it doesn't it creates leaders and it empowers them and that's what we need in this world I really like the way that you just said that our kids are not a liability because how often is that Mm -hmm. just the mindset of parents and especially moms you know like we think of them as this thing to protect also this thing that sucks our time and our resources and they you know they can make us less safe because we're you know focusing on them but I love the way that you say they're not a liability and that we can empower them to be part of the team. And, oh man, I just think that's something that we need to do more of. And in so many areas of life, I am so guilty of being the mom that doesn't like being in the kitchen with my kids, you know, because it's a lot of work, Mm -hmm. but that's not empowering them. It's actually treating them like they're a liability. So I really like the Mm -hmm. way you said that. (laughs) Yeah. And I, we, I think we all have lessons to learn constantly you know there there's so many places I include them where I just wish I could do it by myself um but then I I always have to remind myself like no this is for the greater good you know (laughs) um but I I tell this story sometimes in our courses I uh 
I travel with the kids by myself. And so they, from a young age, have had to be, we've had to really be independent and just be there for each other. And um, I was in the airport in August, and I use um, a color system with my children. It was actually developed by a federal air marshal. It's called the Cooper Color Code System of Awareness. And it's very simple. It uses primary colors, but it it just walks them through the the body's uh, sympathetic response to fear or to a threat. Hmm. And it makes it, it explains it in a more manageable way. And so um, yellow is a state where you should be at all times, like very situationally aware when you're out in public, you look very calm. And, and, and for the most part you are, especially once it becomes part of your habit, but you're just looking for deviations and patterns from the norm. And once you see a threat appear, or if a threat would appear, you move into the orange state where you start to put together a plan, you know, like, where's an exit? Is there an exit behind me? Because sometimes the closest exit's behind you and people that have that herd mentality and they're all going forward, you know, to the, to the furthest exit. So just paying attention to those different things. Um, and so I've taught them that just because primary colors are easy. And we were going through the airport and it was very busy. It was an early morning flight. That's when it's the busiest. And we we're in DFW, which is a huge airport. And my son, who's seven, uh, well, he's six, he'll be seven in, in a month. Um, we're, we're getting on the train and he's like, is everybody, we're, you know, going to a different, um, a, a different, what, what do you want to, uh, terminal, terminal, you know, yes, we're going to a different <laughs> terminal. Um, and he's like, everybody on yellow. And the girls are like, yep. And I'm like, what is he talking wow. about? You know, like I'm carrying all these bags and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, yellow, like they must have seen that on a show or something. So I, being the overthinker I am, my head's just like spinning and spinning. I'm like, what was he talking about? Yellow. So we, we get off the next, at the next terminal where we're getting off. And I'm like, oh, buddy, you man, is everybody paying attention? He's like, yeah, it's busy. There's a lot of people. I'm like, Amazing. I'm so proud of you. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize. <laughs> but for him, that just came naturally. Like there's a lot of people, like everybody better be on yellow, you know, and the Amazing. girls are like, yeah, on it. And so I'm like, look at these, look at these little kids protecting their mama and I'm over here like what show did we watch where they're talking about being yellow (laughs) yeah yeah I loved it that was that was like one of those little golden egg moments where I'm like oh I'm tuck that away for later yeah that's great I think so many times like parents think about the things that you're teaching your kids and kind of shy away from it because they want to protect their innocence and maybe they think that the things that you teach might instill fear in them and scare them, but really it's kind of leading away from the fear and empowering them. Right. You know, just by by teaching them those things, like you're not creating little kids who are going to be scared of everything. You're creating kids who know how to handle situations Mm -hmm. already at a young age, I guess. Definitely. I mean, if you think about even as adults, when we're faced with a situation where we don't know what to do, we don't have an answer. We don't have a solution. It doesn't feel good. Vulnerability doesn't feel good. And we're the mm-hmm. ones with cell phones and vehicles mm-hmm. and experience and wisdom. They have nothing if they're small. You know, my nine-year-old doesn't have a cell phone um, or all of these, these different things that we have. And so what tools does she have to work with? And she's faced with many of the same uh, threats that we see and we feel and we're aware of. And so it's not fair to not give them tools. If you think about it, it's not fair to think we're protecting their innocence. We're not, we're just disempowering something in them that they're fully capable of, of growing and working towards. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, people, I guess, I think the American way is like, make sure your kids do really good in all the, you know, math, science, all of that stuff. Like we're constantly like encouraging them to learn and be the best at all these different things. And we somehow look at childhood as like, there's childhood and then over here's adulthood. And we never like realize there's a bridge between the two and that, you know, this childhood is literally the time where we're to be preparing them for all things in life, you know, not just their, you know, curriculum at the school level, but, you know, preparedness, like you teach their, you know, faith, all of those things need to be built from a young age. And this is, you know, what you teach is one of those things that is more helpful, like things that the adults want to learn now, people that listen to our podcast, it, we just put up a question box actually um, yesterday to ask what people wanted to hear. And this was one of the topics that came up. And so there are so many adults that want to learn more in this area and feel inadequate. And just think about how good it would feel if we had all learned these things, you know, from a very young age. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, Definitely. I feel like what we've covered a lot so far is um, teaching kids to be aware physically and emotionally. But I, th- I think also it's important to teach them this awareness also like spiritually and culturally especially like in mm-hmm. the world that we're living in right now, when you think of the the spiritual world and the cultural world that we're living in, like, what do you think that looks like teaching them to be aware in that sense? And well, I think, like I think, question, but. yeah, no, I see. I think that I, I'm, I'm big into abstract. I mean, obviously I began my, my courses with a, a neuroscience block, mm-hmm. but I think it's in, in the art of understanding your own mind Hmm. is where they can come to have that, that solid plumb line embedded in whatever your faith is. You know, I mean, as Christians, I teach my children the plumb line, the plumb line of scripture, of doctrine, of sound doctrine, and they have to understand themselves. They have to understand the human response to emotions and the human response to brokenness and they can't view the world as, as, as evil people being monsters. In order to best understand the brokenness that exists, they have to see the humanity and even the broken people and see how they can relate to that person as an image bearer. And I think in having them understand their own, their own mind and being intentional about processing emotions and processing situations and and, you know, in teaching my children to be situationally aware, I'm also trying to teach them to be good, decent human beings. As in, did you see that person? Did we read that person that was agitated and upset mm-hmm. at the, their cash register as being somebody who could be a little unstable and threatening? Also, we don't know what happened to them that day to make them feel that way. So mm-hmm. while we might create distance and space for our own safety... Let's also keep in mind that they're a broken human being and they're struggling with something. It isn't that sad. Isn't that sad? We're going to, we're going to show them decency and respect in the best way we can, which is giving them space and not feeding into whatever narrative might have happened, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and not engaging with that. And so I'm trying, I'm trying to combine the two in that way with Mm -hmm. them. And I think that makes them more culturally aware and more Mm -hmm. sensitive to the spiritual warfare that's going along around them. And so it doesn't have to be all these compartmentalized ways of teaching them. It all overlaps Mm -hmm. into one and it just plays Mm -hmm. into 
it, it makes it so much more of a lifestyle, which is the only way I can do this because it was a lifestyle for me. And that's why it's second nature. And that's why it's not in stark contrast to who I am. And so it has to be a lifestyle for my children as well. And that's, that's how I try to teach it. And that's how I try to come across in social media is this just becomes part of life. It has to become part of life. Otherwise, it's really inconvenient. And it seems really weird. And then you'll never actually do it with effectiveness. Mm. Yeah, it was really good. It was really, really good. Yeah, from from like the first thing you said about just having this solid plumb line and then understanding humanity and the human response. And then also just how it all has to go together. Like isn't I think that's what we're really guilty of here in Canada and the US is just like you said, compartmentalizing everything. It's like, yeah, faith is for church on Sundays. Um, this is for that. And that is for this. And there's just all these little boxes when in reality, life is a combination of all of those things. And they really should go together. And that this awareness that you teach really applies to absolutely every single aspect of life. And if you get good at awareness in one compartment, naturally, it's going to bleed into everything else in life. So that was really, was really cool. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And, you know, I, I really want my children to understand, you know, I mean, the New Testament tells us that we are all parts of the same body. And so for my children, too, if I'm teaching them something simple like a tourniquet, if we're applying a tourniquet, like, this isn't just for you. This is for mm -hmm. your neighbor, mm -hmm. you know, not your literal neighbor, but your neighbor out there in the world who may not be doing the work that you're doing, but mm -hmm. we're doing it because we're capable and we've been called to do it. And so we're better prepared to serve the people around us and to be there for the people around us who may not have the skills or the tools. This isn't just mm -hmm. for us. We do mm -hmm. it for others. And so bringing that I think sometimes in preparedness, there's a selfish attitude that can exist with people. Like, I'm going to take care of me and mine, and that's what I'm going to do. Like, I, I prepare so that I can serve. And that's mm. something that I really want to instill in my children as, where, as well. We're prepared, not because we're like holding it all here close to our chest, and, and, and we want all the things, and we want the security. Mm. We prepare, and we, we believe that we've been blessed to do this work and to have the resources to prepare in order to be a blessing. Yeah. Oh, stewardship really yeah. of your gifts. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Just on our last episode, actually, we talked quite a lot about the parable of the good Samaritan and just everything you just said. I'm like, yep, yeah, that just really feeds really well into what we just talked about last week. So that's awesome. It does. It does. Yeah. All right. So, so another I think that, Oh, go ahead, Rita. Oh, go ahead, Cecily. Okay. Um, so another thing that we wanted to talk to you about, you kind of led into it just a little bit there with talking about the tourniquet, but we just want to talk about medical preparedness because so many mm -hmm. of us really just think like, oh man, something happens, we go to the ER, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, but I feel like given the current climate and the way mm -hmm. things are going, the scenarios and all the hospitals right now and who knows what things are going to be like tomorrow or a month from now or who's going to be allowed to access medical services even you know like to the full degree right I think medical preparedness is so important and that's something that you really do well so what how can women moms families start just kind of like laying the groundwork for this medical preparedness as far as supplies and as far as learning knowledge that sort of thing 
Yeah. So I think, um, I think you just start very basic in, in trying to get an understanding on the human body. And I, I think that there's such a movement of natural wellness right now that is doing such a great job of teaching that, um, people trying to understand the responses in the body to differentiate, okay, what's the difference between croup and RSV, what's happening in the body. And once you get a grasp on the physiology component of that, you're better able to understand the processes and how to navigate them versus, oh my God, something's happening and I don't know what to do about it. And so that in and of itself is empowerment. So I've loved seeing people step into that space. Um, I actually, I, I, t I teach a med class separately from um, our self-defense courses and it's a family med course and we do everything from like cuts and scrapes to massive hemorrhaging. And I love it because it's a five hour block and by the time they leave, they're like, I feel like I just went to nursing school. Yeah, you don't need a degree in order to know how to protect and save your family. It's so actually true. really simple. Um, but I actually condensed a lot of it, like the, the massive hemorrhaging component, into a 15-minute block at our course this weekend. And when all was said and done, you know, the, um, so one of the, our director of training, actually, he and I sat down and we were reassessing how the day went. And we're constantly course correcting. Like, we're just trying our best to grow and build and and do better, you know? And so he's like, do you really feel like that was enough time? And I was like, I loved, I love teaching that in 15 minutes because I want people to understand that they don't need a certification to stop a bleed, to stop massive hemorrhaging. Let's go over in five minutes how arteries and veins work in the body and how to occlude a bleed. And then let's get down to business. I'm going to show you how to use these tools really quickly. And then you're going to, you're going to practice. And now you're like, okay, I understand why I would need a tourniquet or some quick clot gauze. Like now I, I know how to use the things that I have stored in my med kit. And so not getting overwhelmed is key. Like, not at all. Do not allow yourself to get overwhelmed because it's very simple and it's very basic. And so um, we're actually creating online courses so that people can access them no matter where they are. We have a, a tourniquet one current, currently, um, but we'll have more like basic hemorrhaging and stuff to come. And that's at wethepreparedcom so we, T-H-E, the prepared.com. And we have some online courses there. But I think... Um, I think being very mindful about where you get your information is helpful because you can find every person who thinks they're an expert out there on the YouTube and they can really overwhelm you or they can give you wrong information. And so I love that we're able to kind of like harness the subject matter experts on this and make it really manageable. Um, and yeah, I, I say you just get basic supplies, like you get basic emergency medical supplies and then you take the time, like don't buy a first aid kit and throw it in your car. Go through your kits. Take the time to go through your supplies. If you don't know what it is, give it a duck, duck, go. Like give a little research, figure out what it is. Like what is HippoCleanse? What is Betadine? What are all these things? Um, figure them out. If they're not that difficult, you're totally capable but um, I think buying things makes us feel better. But it, the actual empowerment comes from knowing how to use the things that we have purchased. Um, but just, again, that belief of I am capable. You are capable of learning new skills. Even if blood grosses you out and makes you weak, you're capable of knowing how to occlude a bleed. And you're capable of carrying out the steps in order to do so. I don't know. I just really appreciate the fact that you said you don't need a certification or a nursing school degree to know because at amen 
Amen. Like everybody can learn this stuff, right? Um, everybody can learn. That, that's just so important. I feel like that's been kind of taken away from people this year or people allowed that to be taken away. Like where you have to have this specific expert degree to know anything and people have kind of like went along with it. <laughs> you know, they're just like, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I need an expert to tell me, no, you don't. You can learn and you're capable of researching and figuring things out. Just Yeah, we don't we weren't given the we weren't given the fastest legs. You know, there were there are other animals who were given the fastest legs and we weren't given the sharpest claws. We were given critically thinking brains. Yes. All of us were. Yes. All of us were. You know, my mom and dad are two of the most brilliant people I know and they don't have college degrees. You know, um, they're incredible and they don't need a college degree for me to believe that about them. And that never stopped them from empowering me and all of the curiosities and the eccentricities mm -hmm. that came along mm -hmm. with having an overthinking child at a young age. Um, they were able to feed that part of me and to teach me the things that I wanted to be taught. And if they didn't have an answer, they would find it for yes. me or they would find yep. someone to help me. And so I think that that in, in and of itself should be a statement, you know? And yeah, we do live in a country here in America where we are like big, big, big on education. Yet compared to other developed countries, the only place we rank number one is in confidence in our school children. We don't rank number one in math and in English or in anything else. We rank number one in confidence. And mm -hmm. so that's really something to look at. And to, to ask, you know, where are we falling off of the rails? Where yeah. have we gone wrong in, in this thought, this compulsory thought of I must have X, Y, Z in order to be that. Now, do I love degrees and certifications? Absolutely. But I mean, sometimes you have to follow the money trails and you have to, you have to just figure things out for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Just like yeah. and the CPR, like there's no actual regulating body for the CPR for cardiopulmonary resuscitation. There's no regulating body. The American Heart Association and the American Red Cross have just created protocols yep. that are marked as the gold standard. And that's what hospitals use for what they require for certifications. But as far as in the realm of, of the nation, there's no regulating body. So why must a parent go sit through an eight hour course in order to deem themselves capable of delivering CPR to an unresponsive child or adult like it's just not do I yes I love certifications and I love for people to be safe but if that's not realistic for you you're capable of watching a video and figuring that out you're capable of knowing what to do if somebody was choking it's these simple skills that we've been made to believe we're incapable of learning that leave us in such vulnerable situations that never needed to exist in the first place yeah. Well, first, that's one thing everybody should know, CPR. And I'm big on making sure people know that they should know that because if your kid's choking, you're, you want to know what to do, first of all. Yes. But I think that we've, in America specifically, um, replaced educate, replaced knowledge with education, rather. Like knowledge and education are not the same thing. And we assume if somebody's Absolutely. educated that they know but that's not necessarily true. So absolutely. Anyway, sure. that's a whole nother subject. <laughs> I was about to say, I mean, listen, I will go on my soapbox <laughs> anytime you want. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, okay. One last thing, which you did touch on earlier, but, um, 
just when it comes to concealed carry and firearms in general, um, I do want to touch on that just a bit more. Um, I think that sometimes people think that people have a, I don't want to say are against it necessarily. Some people are, um, but a lot of people are on the fence because they, they're just not sure that we should be, you know, carrying a firearm and defending ourselves in that way. Um, they're maybe opposed to using lethal force, which you said, and I agree, like you never want to have to use your firearm. You carry it though, in case you would have to use it. And that is a possibility that someday you might have to. And so I think just speak through why you feel it's important to be able to protect yourself in that way. Yeah. I mean, as, as a Christian, obviously my, my beliefs are very much rooted in the, in the understanding of how valuable life is and the fact that we are all, every single one of us are image bearers of Christ and that makes us invaluable. And so the sanctity of human life is in the forefront of my mind. All, always. I carry to defend life and to protect life, not because I want to take a life. Um, but I think also it's unfair to believe that at, just as Christians, we're called to be doormats and martyrs and that our children are called to be doormats and martyrs as well. We were never called to be that. We were called to lay down our life for our brother, but that's the selfishness of humanity, not laying down and saying, just kill me and I will abide. Um, and obviously we all have our own discernment, um, but look in scripture time and time again at God's deliverance of justice and his unceasing will to not allow his people to be controlled and to be consumed by the evil in the world. And so when we're called to not kill and to respect life, it's not against someone that is trying to take our life um, for no for no substantiated reason. Um, Self-defense is our God-given right. And I, I believe that in my bones. I believe that to be true. And it's, it's a gift that our forefathers fought for, for those reasons. Because we are not to be controlled by governments and we are not to be controlled by evil entities. We are to be autonomous beings. And in being autonomous beings, we're able to live in our full potential and our full role of being that image bearer. And so, um, you know, I've evaluated this thought process many, many times. I've prayed over this. I've studied this with other wise um, people that I, I get my guidance from. And so I'm just very unwavering in that I I know I am carrying to preserve life. And I know that in in a moment of emergent need, if I had to preserve life in that manner, that I, I'm okay with that. Yep. All right. I'm really glad you spoke through that. I'm glad I asked mm -hmm. you that question because I think it's something that I, I, it's prevalent in our society, the mindset that is opposite of what you just said. Exactly. And I very much appreciate your take on that. So thank you. Yeah, I don't think um, anyone ever takes the flip side of it, you know, yes. unless they are someone that advocates for concealed carry. No one ever takes the time to think that through and flip it on its head and be like, no, I don't, I don't carry to take life. I do it to protect mm -hmm. life. So I think that's a really important message. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think also, you know, the safety we sometimes live in, unless you've mentally put yourself in a situation 
you know, just to think through what you would do or how you would feel, how you would act, or if you've personally been in a situation where you feel very threatened, you may not even truly deeply consider, you know, what, how you would want to protect yourself or if you would go to those links, you know what I mean? Um, And I think that the safety of our society kind of protects us from even thinking about it sometimes. Yeah. And I mean, in the video you saw, the reason I put the baby in the car was because that was an added factor. And sometimes we don't become intimate with the knowledge and understanding of violence until we become mothers. And motherhood gives us the permission to be violent at times because we have been given life to protect and we will do it at all costs. Mm -hmm. And so I have a 220 pound man on top of me. I'm a hundred pounds in this video. The only thing between him and the baby in the car, the door is still open, is me, a mother. What what am I doing to protect the life behind me? In that video, if mm-hmm. I would not have had my firearm, what, what would I have done? Mm-hmm. If he would have knocked me unconscious, that would have been it. That's it. I'm the last resort. I'm the last person standing on the line between myself and that child. And so I just want people to understand that. Is caring for everybody? No. And, and sometimes it's not even a, a resource in the country like where you live. Mm-hmm. And I understand that. But so that takes it to the next level of what am I doing to secure myself foundationally when it comes to my situational awareness? What other means of self-defense am I employing Mm -hmm. to keep that child safe? Because in that scenario, if I wouldn't have had a firearm, I would have had no other option. Mm -hmm. Uh, Somebody else around hopefully would have heard and seen and come to save me, but that's Mm -hmm. the concept of self-reliance, right? Is I can't be tied to the umbilical cord of waiting for help. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Rita. Is there any other things that you kind of want to go over? Or is that kind of, did we touch on everything? I'm sure I'll think of things afterwards, but right now (laughs) I think we're good. So this was part part two. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This was a really, really valuable conversation. I'm really, I can't wait to publish this episode. I think people are really going to love it. So thank you so much. Is there any parting words that you want to give before I kind of tell people where they can track you and your courses down? Um, yeah, thank you guys for having me. I, I just, I hope everybody leaves feeling empowered and encouraged and, feeling really confident. Um, This isn't like a girl power stance or something like that. This is a lifestyle of just knowing that you're capable. Like I've said over and over again, you are capable. And so I just lead with that. Anybody who feels called to move forward in the realm of preparedness, which I hope in some way, shape or form, everybody does just know that you're capable and it's, it's hard being a learner. I have to do it all the time. With this job, I'm, I'm always confronted with things that I have to learn. And I understand overwhelm and intimidation, but overcome because you're capable. And it's worth it. And your family's worth it. And, and we all belong to one another. And so the one another's out there that need you to step up are worth it too. Yeah, so good. And I really do believe that people are going to come away from this podcast feeling exactly what you want them to feel. So thank you so much. Again, this was Amber L. You can find her on Instagram at miss that's ms.amber.l. 
And she had mentioned that they do have some online courses at wethepreparedcom and also through Fieldcraft, you guys do in-person courses, right? We do. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you can follow here. Fieldcraft. Um, okay. um, so we do some training in Utah. Mm -hmm. Um and then we've just opened a headquarters on the East Coast in North Carolina. And so we'll be around that area. I believe we have a course coming in January in South Carolina. Um, but we have plans to try to get this course in, in various locations across the U.S. So just awesome. follow Fieldcraft Survival and stay tuned for those updates there. That's awesome. And if you want to find Rita and I outside the podcast, you can find me, Cecily, on Instagram at cecily.dickey or on my website, thegracetogrow.com. You can find me, Rita, at Rita Rogers Co. on Instagram or rita rogers Thanks for listening.